0: You've reached Intricity One Hundred and One. James, how you doing? I'm
1: good. How are you?
0: Awesome. Arcadia will be joining us. I don't know if he's uh, if he's coming on late or what, but um, mm-hmm. excited for this. Uh, so, just so everybody understands, um, and I, I I usually have a pre-show screen, uh, but the problem is, is that was the first time we're trying it on YouTube. So there uh. you go. Um, so, uh, so just so everybody, um, knows, uh, oh, there's our Katie. So just so everybody knows who, uh, who James is, um, James, uh, can you do a little bit of an introduction and then, uh, and then we'll get into what kind of brought this about.
1: Sure. Yeah. So, uh, my name is James Anderson. I am a senior manager of sales engineering at snowflake i cover major accounts in New England um, and before I was at snowflake I actually worked for another consulting firm doing snowflake implementations for for quite a few years so I didn't been- know that Oh yeah. Been on cool. been on both sides of the equation at this point.
0: You've
1: that's been awesome. on both the dark side and the light side. <laughs> I, I won't let you, I won't say who's dark and who's light at this
0: point. <laughs> everybody's, everybody's on the same team in my mind. Yeah, that's we're, right. all,
1: we're all on the same team here.
0: That's right. Um, so here's, here's what ended up bringing us together. Um, uh, Arcady, we, we had put together a, uh, a data maturity uh, webinar that Arcady was, was hosting and James and his team said, hey, you know, we're, we're actually really talking about this topic. And it, it sort of started this, uh, you know, I would say a two month uh, chain of emails about, you know, what it is to be a, a mature snowflake. um implementation and what and what the stages might look like when you're going and through those stages of maturity and and it's interesting there's there are some differences to you know what what I perceived and, and what their team perceived but I we thought that would make a really good podcast in us just kind of talking about you know um, what are some of the elements that that create maturity and I think one of the main things we did agree on is that there really is no such thing as an actual, you know, you're going to do this and then this and then this and then this, and it's always going to appear that way for every client. It's just, it's just not the reality of it. Right. So, um, so let's just start with uh, where would you say, James, the first stage typically Lands, uh, if, we, if we're just going to again admitting at, up front that there's no such thing as a a, a normal uh, you know everyday scenario, but but you know as we look at the aggregate, where does the first step usually stand?
1: Yeah, I mean it really involves a customer's first foray into Snowflake, and and there are a couple of different types of customers who who do that. Some are very on-premise based at the time, and mm-hmm. and Snowflake is their first is their first real cloud purchase that they've made. They they're they they have these huge teradata stacks, or they or they have mm-hmm. you know they've been an Oracle or SAP shop for years and years and years, and they're finally getting around to hey you know it's time to time to move to the cloud time to time to think about that and you know my experience people who are very on-premise focused they have their applications on premise they got their databases on premise they got they got it all and mm-hmm. they decide you know what the safest thing for us to do is to build an analytics environment in the cloud because if it mm-hmm. doesn't work if it doesn't do what we want we haven't ripped up somebody's day-to-day operations we right. built a playground we built something for people to have fun in but you know it's 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 an investment that we're going to we're going to kind of try out mm-hmm. and so you know those customers usually you know, we bucket those we bucket all these kind of first capacity deals in, into this kind of new bucket where they're new to Snowflake. They it's usually around one line of business. They've made a purchase for a particular workload type, um, and and they're having some fun, right? And mm-hmm. and the the other side of that is a super cloud friendly company who's been in the cloud, been in AWS, Azure, GCP for for years and years and years and years and years. But have finally decided. You know what? I think Snowflake is is going to needs to be a core component to our overall sort of cloud infrastructure, and it's going to bring a lot of value. Uh, So there's two sides. There's
0: there's either one that's like totally new to the cloud, or there's one that's really cloud centric, but you know, wants the uh, better experience.
1: Yeah. And either way,
0: we, we bucket those
1: as new customers because they are new to Snowflake. And and Snowflake is an incredibly simple to use platform, right? Anybody can go to snowflake.com and spin up a trial account today. Um, you know, you'll get $400 in, in free credits and you can go play around with Snowflake uh, immediately. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I, I like in Snowflake, I like to use this analogy. I don't know if you ever played the, the board game Othello, Um I have a caddy knows knows what I'm talking about. And and you know, right there on the box it says simple to learn, lifetime to master. Yes. Um and and I liken Snowflake to to like the game of Othello, where it's very simple to pick up and learn. But to really get the value out of it, it takes time, it takes energy, it takes an understanding of of all of the bells and whistles and 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 capability that Snowflake provides. Mm -hmm. So even if you're a super cloud friendly, right? And you, you, you've been using AWS, if you're, you're a, somebody who was born in the cloud, like Snowflake, right? If you're mm-hmm. a company that was born in the cloud, it still takes some time to get your deployment stood up, to get the, get the right patterns, the right uh, ingestion patterns of the data, the right ELT patterns in Snowflake, um, you know, the right networking to connect into Snowflake. You know, we obviously take security very seriously. So mm-hmm. making sure that you've you've gone through the, the security checklist and and made all the decisions you need to
0: make um, to get up on Snowflake. You know, that- the thing that's interesting about that that example, the Othello uh, example, is that if you think about the origins of Snowflake, the very first implementations that, that people were doing, um, it was a lot of startup companies. It was a lot that's of companies right. that were really small, uh, well, I shouldn't say small. Nobody knew their name, but they would have like these massive data footprints, you know, yes. and, and then you'd go uncover it. It's like, holy cow, these people have a ton of data, but they wanted to start with something that uh, they could adopt easily. And, and and it wasn't all ones that had big data sets. There were plenty that were just small, wanted to to something easy to start with. And it, and it was easy. I mean, it was easy for them to do.
2: And, and those were quite interesting because again, those were not only early adopters, those were also folks who were willing to innovate and start something. Yeah. They were starting from scratch. And so yep. a, a lot of mature companies are asking us many times, how do I have that mentality? How do I bring that into my, my, my development environment? Uh, sort of that uh, barbarian stage startup mentality, mm-hmm. even though I might be a, a hundred year old company. Uh, but with yeah. Snowflake, that was a big deal because it it gave them the ability to compete uh, against you know technologies that it would have been much more difficult to initially deploy and start with. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and you know a lot of those companies probably didn't have huge IT departments who would manage that infrastructure for them, right? That what they what they needed was a platform that that is mostly managed for them. And they all they have to do is is turn the knobs and, and tweak the dials and bring the data themselves and start to start to derive value out of their data. And you know, the the thing on our side that really precipitated this conversation around maturity and, and how do we think about a customer's maturity is what is the what is the ultimate end state. Mm-hmm. And there's two there's two components to that. Right. And 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 I'll get to the data cloud journey at, to, on the second part of this, because that's really where where Snowflake has has accelerated in the last in the last year or so is really becoming that data cloud and, and the vision of the data cloud. But even before that, a lot of these these companies, to your point, Arcady, they were small companies, but they had massive data sets because they recognized that their data were assets. Mm-hmm. This isn't just a tool for decision making. Yeah, it's right? this is, floor. exactly. This is an asset that needs to be measured as such. So Know for for us when we were thinking about what does a mature customer really look like, it's it's a customer who has shifted their mindset that from my data is a tool that that helps decisions, that helps make decisions, to my data are assets. And I'm measuring how we're working with our data in an ROI fashion. Mm -hmm. And I am making investments in that, in my data set, in my data and in the platforms that support my data. In a way that's measured in, in the same way that I might measure the, uh, the a server rack, right? Mm-hmm, it's, it should mm-hmm. be the exact same thing. Um, and so, a lot of these initial companies had this data, recognized that there was that they were assets, and said, "I need a platform that's going to help me maximize my ROI on those assets." And you know, initially with Snowflake, it was maximizing the ROI because I didn't need huge huge you know suites of cloud engineers. Mm -hmm. or huge consultant, you know, big consulting firms to come in and and do massive implementations. I needed a strategic partner who could come in, help me to build out my, my deployment. And I needed a small team of data geeks Mm -hmm. who were just passionate about this to, to, to run the platform because everything else was being run by us.
0: One thing that's interesting about that, you know, the, um, the, 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 change in mindset of how you, how you perceive your data. I wrote a white paper, uh, this is is years back. It was, it was, it was when we were doing a lot of services for, um, startups because of this. Hmm. What I was noticing is that, you know, the typical spend for a, um, you know, a company that is trying to, you know, get into the realm of really, uh, turning data into information. I mean, they're going to, The floor, if you're really going to turn it into information, you're going to be spending somewhere in the $200,000 range to start to get in there, you know, and, um, you know, and so for companies that are startups, you know, sometimes they don't, they they don't have the budgets for that. Um, But what I started realizing is that as you get to company size of somewhere around $200 million, they can justify that investment. But there's something that broke that equation for me. And it was it was companies that used data for their factory floor. In other words, data was running a critical process for them. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think this this thing you just mentioned, you know, it, it kind of plays into that when and and it turns out that you could almost make a justification for data being part of any company's factory floor mm-hmm. once you get to once you get past sort of the belief that um, you know uh, we're just we're just hand moving widgets around um that that data is actually an operational piece to the business um and when we get to that level um what i started to realize is that these startups even though they were spending that kind of money they were um the reason they were spending it is because they saw it as the factory floor well, you know if we're if we're making something for our clients um, we need to invest in that something, um, yeah. and that's that's what we we were uh, we were seeing. Anyway, yeah,
1: no, it's it's hundred percent the case, and and even even now, right? We have new customers that come on board every day, um, big, small, you know, with some of the biggest companies in the world are are, mm-hmm. are sitting in that new bucket um, because they've they've realized that they that Snowflake is is providing a lot of value to them, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and and we've shifted. As a company and as a platform, away from just "Hey, this is a great place to store your data and process your data and work with your data." To we've created a data network and a data cloud yeah. that you know you can see it over my shoulder here on this this mm-hmm. uh, on this uh, on this lovely visual, right? This is this is <laughs> our sort of the visual of our data cloud and the and the mm-hmm. nodes that happens between different companies and different platforms. And there are companies mm-hmm. who have who have who have invested a huge amount in putting their data out on the marketplace because that's now a revenue stream. Right. And so. So, new customers are coming on board to be enabled in the data cloud, right so the business right. value that that we really see for those companies is, okay, you've got on board, and this marketplace is instantly unlocked for you right there's mm-hmm. There's hundreds and hundreds of data sets that exist out in the data marketplace today
0: um, yeah, and this was that, part of the the quandary that we had in putting this list together is because you because one of our steps is the use of this this you know data cloud, but we've seen people join and start using it like right out of the gate. Exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah. And and people, and it is a, to be fair on the sales side, it's a phenomenal selling tool for us. It right? is. It's, it's a, it's such an easy yeah. way to get somebody to at least get their feet wet, right? We have a, we have a big, a big customer here in, in New England who, you know, their first foray was because the COVID-19, the star schema COVID-19 data set was out mm-hmm. there. And they said, you know what, that's a, that's a data set that's important to us. Um, and we need to we're gonna do a small a small sort of pilot deal to to play around with that data. Right. And that's how we mm-hmm. got in the door. And yeah. And and so it's a really great wedge piece, but you're you're only you're only at the tip of the iceberg, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And that's and so you're great, you're enabled in the data cloud. But I, but but really at the at the end what we call sort of the final phase, and I'm I'm gonna go through all the phases, I promise. But yeah. you know, the final phase is is we call it the modernizing phase. And and really the business value is that you've gone through a digital transformation and you've realized the value of the data cloud. You've gotten to that data cloud realization um, uh, phase because not only are you taking in data sets, but you are actively participating at that point in sharing data with your partners, with your mm-hmm. customers. Um, you might have data published out on the marketplace yourself. You might've generated new revenue streams that you didn't even know existed all the way back at, at sort of that new phase. Mm-hmm. And and I, I, I bring up the end because I think the next step after new is what we call organizing. And really what that is is okay, we, we've gotten our feet wet. We've 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 brought on a couple of workloads, maybe, you know, we've got something into production. How do we how do we organize ourselves around Snowflake as an organization? Right. How do we mm-hmm. how do we think about you know expanding or expanding the usage of Snowflake outside of this line of business that may have made the purchase of Snowflake initially? Right. And 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 moved out to other places? How do we organize our thoughts around how Snowflake is being used? How do we organize our COE model and our enablement mm-hmm. model around that? And, and you know, this is where the value of, of a partner is so important because, you know, companies like Intricity are, are bringing data strategy
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: capabilities to the table that, you know, my sales engineers aren't necessarily bringing. Um, and, yeah. And, it, and it, one thing that, that helps together,
0: with one thing that helps us too, is, is you start when you, cause one of the things that Snowflake has is it's the scale is very broad. I mean, it's so broad. And so what you start to realize is that you need to sort of organize the use cases in, in ways that are meaningful to the business and that fit the data use case too. Like, yeah. you know, you need it. You need a place for the data to reside where it's not too, where there's not too much logic written against it so that it it constrains, say someone wanting to do lab work, a data science type. Um, Mm -hmm. But then at the same time you do need, there is such thing as information, Mm -hmm. you know, there is such thing as a customer and a product and a, you know, fill in the blank Mm -hmm. and that stuff does need some conformity and, and business people, shouldn't have to rebuild that logic every single time they want to do a query. Yep. Um, and so what you start to see is the need to, to design this framework. Um, that talks about this organization yeah. and, and conformity.
2: We call it the data fabric or the data factory, but both of you raised a, a, a critic, couple of critically important points to, to the data cloud and sort of the ability to recognize that you can do, you can pick up a data share. You, you talked, James, about the COVID data and the customer mm-hmm. being able to use that. Think about the alternative, because I think we talk about sort of the magic of this, but the alternative would be inertia. It would be... Maybe I can't start this project because yeah. how do I get this data? How do I bring it in? How do I transform it? How do I load it? There is a whole project just to get the raw materials in the door before you could start manufacturing those widgets or those analytics mm-hmm. that you'd like mm-hmm. to manufacture. The other side that I think both of you touched on that's that's critically important is I, I can't think of a, a single customer where the question of what do we do first how do we start? What's the first thing that we do? Which subject area, which business domain do we focus on? And and Jared, I, I've i brought up the Cat Herder's Toolkit uh, a bunch of times to, <laughs> to customers because it's difficult sometimes because, you know, there are folks, they're driving, they're on the road, they're driving, but they don't necessarily know the destination they're going yeah, into yeah. and what passengers they need to pick up along the way.
0: And yeah. one difference... Um, uh, James, that, that I have uh, from, from uh, the way you guys organize it is that um, I, I seem to have like new to cloud as sort of its own distinct step. But, um, but I actually separate out the migration phase as its own step because yeah we see those as such, such milestone projects for some of these companies to actually migrate at least what they've got in terms of logic. Right. So mm-hmm. um, this, this, concept of turning data into, you know, fabricating it back into information, um, which, which needs to be done as part of organizing. Um, a a lot of organizations have already done that work. They've put a, dumped a ton of money in some, in some cases, 20 years worth of logic, uh, into the, the existing architectures that they have. And they, Mm. they realize that snowflake is going to be a better place to be. And so those projects are, it's a, it, there's an entire industry that's been built literally over the last three years around this, just this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um hundred percent.
1: And, and, you know, so, I came coming from the professional services side, every, all we wanted to do was, Hey, we want to get these migration projects because that yeah. is yeah. a big meaty project. Right. And that's, yeah. and it's important. And what I'll say now that I'm on the Snowflake side is that yes, migrations are critically important. Yeah. And and I understand why it's an entire bucket in itself in in what you're looking at, Jared. Yeah. Yeah. Why we don't look at it is because mm. because if companies can get stuck in a migration. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. An ineffective migration is a is a killer for your progression through your maturity. Right. If you yeah. if you get stuck in a in a huge migration and you're just you're just not getting the value right
0: you're the value statement can't be after the migration it needs to be in parallel exactly and so by by
1: you know for me migration sits in that migration is a big part of that organizing area and we talked a lot about it you know internally about about where does migration really fit here and and, you know Mm -hmm. for us it's It's right in that organizing area because, you know, I've spent a lot of time with customers who are in the middle of a migration and say, I cannot think about what's next. (laughs) This is done. I can't distract myself. I can't distract anybody on this. I have too much money riding on retiring what I have on premise and coming onto Snowflake. So don't even talk to me.
0: What,
1: What that says to us is, okay, we need to now organize ourselves as a sales mm-hmm, team or mm-hmm. an account team right we need to get ourselves organized around once this is finished we may have done some of the work for you and gone out to the business and 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 helped you to sell snowflake as a solution for them for their business problems moving forward and so once they once they can pull their head out of the quagmire from a mm-hmm. from a migration perspective and say okay whew, we're done now what yeah. we say yeah. well let us tell right. you all of the, here's the backlog right and let's let's do yeah. some of that organizing for you um and that's something that that we that we do as a sales team I, that's something i would imagine that you that you oh, as yeah. a partner would do outside yeah. of what
0: you're doing with the migration well before we usually do a migration is we we actually we will map out all of the parallel tasks, right? So migration is a piece of a much broader vision. We don't, yeah. we actually don't do migrations uh, before we have a, a future state architecture in plan uh, in, in literally like a blueprint in front of yeah. who's, who's there. The reason for that is because it, migrations can be very uh, distracting, yep. um, but what we wanna do is make sure that the parallel lines of, of success are defined because to be honest, uh, in most cases, the, the, the data that is represented inside of these, you know, these older systems, uh, these older MPP databases, they don't represent all the data. They represent, you know, a kind of a slice of very conformed data. Mm -hmm. The rest of the data is like, there's a ton of stuff there. I mean, it's a ton of stuff. It's a, a very small slice that's actually in the MPP database in comparison to, you know, all of the, the semi-structured data and all of these other points uh, that that can be brought in and understanding which departments gain from those, mm-hmm. uh, make it so that we're not just yeah. siloed in the MPP store.
2: And, and many times that data is not, as you said, Jared, conformed. Many times that data represents a bunch of silos that exactly. w- were built because of applications, either aligned by application or aligned by, right. by business unit. Let, let's be uh, clear the reason that folks embark on a migration, uh, typically we see two primary reasons. One is risk mitigation. My platform is end of life. I've, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got uh, scalability issues. I've got reliability issues. Those are the things that are pushing me in that direction. The other, uh, and hopefully the two sort of come together, is, is the ability to get uh, cost savings and speed and agility as you move on to this new platform mm-hmm. and so exactly as you said Jared if we get stuck in sort of this um, organizing phase mm-hmm. we're missing the bigger picture which is are we leveraging the the data assets that we're moving into this new platform or do we just get a better faster engine but the car remains the same-hmm
0: mm-hmm.
1: Well, it's interesting you say that you both say that because I'll tell you in our in our kind of business value matrix of each of these phases, the business value that you get out of the organizing phase is eliminating silos, right? Yeah, the goal yeah. of that is to identify and understand how do we eliminate and break down these silos, mm-hmm. and then once you've done that, you move into that next phase, which we call expanding, and and the value there is about data democratization and about let's let's not just provide the same car with a better engine. Let's provide a better car and, and give more people access to that car and give in, a, in obviously a very safe and secure way so that you're not exposing yourself to you know, data you know, uh, people with malicious intent or giving access to data sure. that people shouldn't have. But the more you can democratize your data and your data assets and your data services, the better. And so why, why we call it expanding is because it's really about expanding out of the sort of core area of the business that you've been in and expanding to everybody else, Hmm. right? Getting all these different business units on board. And what that does for our customers is it's, it breaks down communication silos even, right? And, and Hmm. this, this then leads to a whole conversation about a COE model. And, and are you doing a very centralized COE model? Are you doing a very kind of. A decentralized COE model, or are you somewhere in that sort of hub and spoke model where you have mm-hmm. a, a central mm-hmm. team and, and all that. And, but, you know, at the end of the day, if, if the marketing team is doing this one type of model on customer information and the sales team is building a model on customer information that fundamentally does the same thing, but there's no yeah, communication yeah. between those two teams. It's going to take each of them six months or whatever it is to build those models themselves. And then all of a sudden they're going to be like, oh, wait, between the the two of us, we we did the same thing. What are we doing here? We could have been working on something different over here. So you're not only democratizing the data, you're democratizing the data services. And you're democratizing what what type of data is available and democratizing the the usage of that data um, as a whole. And at that point, establishing that COE model becomes super critical for us and, and for our customers. Because if you don't have... A, a good and I'm gonna say the word that's the third rail of data consulting, if you don't have good governance on top of this platform, you're <laughs> I, I never would I never even touch governance <laughs> projects. It just wasn't it just wasn't it just wasn't for me. Uh, yeah I hear you. <laughs> but if you don't have that, if you haven't built a good governance system from a COE perspective on top of your Snowflake deployment, it's gonna be really difficult to actually get a cohesive plan and strategy across the board
0: i like that uh, mostly because in you know in in our world um that sort of comes part and parcel of consolidating and um conforming gotta, yeah conforming yeah. you've got to conform the modeling uh, and the and the planning the dimensionality of the data you have to conform this stuff you don't want everybody duplicating the same work over and over and over again. And so there's, there's a, there's a method to that madness. Um, And it it does involve getting in meetings. Um, And, and it's not actually, if you have the right person running those meetings, it can go really well, like incredibly well. Uh, we've we've seen that Arcady is very good at these, <laughs> um, and it's uh, it's it can be exciting. Like uh, it's fun to see users get excited about this because they start to see, uh, they start to see what they're sharing in terms mm-hmm. of logic. You know, they start yeah. to see, oh, oh, you, you need the same stuff I need, um, and that's where the real conformity can can start happening, and um, and and the business can start working off the same page of music. Um, and that's a, that's a big moment. One of the things that, that you realize in going through those exercises is that what you're building for the organization, I like to compare it with Lego bricks, right? So, so prior, so if you're just going to take this down a few notches technically prior to, to this, what you have is just a bunch of plastic pellets. You know, people are just trying kind of trying to build stuff with plastic pellets. There's really nothing really to build. They got to melt it down. And, you know, someone's hand building some kind of dragon or something or car and they have to, it's all a lot of work, right? Just like, just like, you know, uh, any kind of organization that, you know, is gathering from raw data and trying to build some kind of an analysis. It's a ton of work. What we're trying to do is build Lego bricks. We're trying to build logical components that say, you know, hey, this is, this is a, a customer and, and this, these are all the, the elements that make up a customer. And hey, if you want to stack these bricks on top of each other to make a car, you can break a car. If you want to make a dragon, you can make a dragon. It's the same Lego bricks. You're not having to change the Lego bricks. Those are the same. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've had people tell me, oh man, that, that, that really solidified, you know, <laughs> that you guys aren't trying to build some like disparate piece of logic for us. These are just reusable components, you know, But I
2: also think there is a lot to be said for the concept of COE. And again, that that phrase comes in, simplifying complexity. I think a lot of times governance is a carrot and a stick type of a mentality versus something that's really practical, something that people can can do. Uh, You you know, It's like the third rail, don't touch the third rail. But in this case, we want governance to be something that everybody feels joyful to participate in, not yet another meeting on their calendar. I, when, we, when we did the webinar, I, I, I talked about the story with, when I was um, fortunate to, to be part of the um, in, at, at Nestle headquarters, we were together with Nestle and Nike, and I was part of uh, Rolls-Royce delegation, and three totally different organizations that were part of very different cultures, very different practices, all trying to get to nirvana, and this is many years ago. The idea was that they were in different places within their journey and their COEs were different because mm-hmm. their journey was in a different place. And, and so, this idea of how do we build up the COE and what skills do we have and what are the components of it? You know, Snowflake is, I, I draw it sometimes as the nucleus of, of the reference of the, of the COE. But there, there's a data science workbench on the right and there's BI tools, the left and the right, sort of the yin and the yang of of, of data governance and, and center of excellence.
0: Well, yeah, I, I actually like that a lot. It's got my it's got my wheels turning on like <laughs> how can COE like, you know, really get into that snowflake world. I, I love it.
1: Well, I think it's it's really important to understand as an organization, the type of COE that you can support. Right. Mm-hmm. Some organizations have built a centralized data team that is just that is, is there to service the business. Right. My my very first job out of college, I was a I was a BI analyst at a small um, digital marketing firm. And at all requests for data, all requests for reporting, all that came through us. And mm-hmm. you know, we would basically write the queries and put it out in this sort of <laughs> pre-built mm-hmm. Query and SQL injection engine that would then spit out a tabular report, which was just awful. But it was <laughs> like the you know that was the that was the service that we provided, and we each kind of covered our own areas of the business, and we develop relationships. And so you know that's a very centralized COE type model where where I own the data, I own I own the platform, I own the the tools, and you send your requests to me, and I'll do that. Right, completely valid COE model. Right. And then there's the ticket based. Yeah, exactly. And then there's the far side, which is every line of business has their own IT section. Every line of business makes their own IT decisions. Every line of business holds their own kind of fiefdom and there's not, and, and that's about, there's no, there's nothing in the center. It's all just kind of their own, their own universe. And also completely valid for massive, massive companies like, you know, that have their own huge lines of, you know, I think about like companies like GE where like GE healthcare has their own IT organization versus yeah, GE yeah. Aviation. Like those are two very different lines of business. And so you know, super decentralized. And and that's okay. But I'm a huge fan of the Hub and Spoke, which is, you know, the that sort of small team at the center who owns the platform and the tools and the patterns. Mm-hmm. And all the lines of business have their own little their own little feet those in terms of the data itself. And building and then creating that communication avenue. Between the sort of centralized team and the and the different lines of business and b- between the lines of business with each other becomes way a much faster way for, for advances to be made in an organization. Because now, now you're not reliant on a central system to deal to get all the data in to you know to get in line and wait for me to deal with your requests. You're not, you know, in a centralized way, and you're not duplicating work across all the lines of business in a super mm-hmm. decentralized way. Now you've now this central team has has built the Built the we like to use the apartment building method uh, metaphor right we built the apartment building for you you move whatever the hell you want into your apartment building. Yeah. you want you want uh you know a sixty five inch flat screen bring it in right you want a mm-hmm. you want a tiny 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 TV bring it in we don't care you, you do what you want with your right. apartment but we've built this this structure in this community where now you guys can all have these conversations so you know that's so you provided the for
2: shares. Us. Yeah, you've provided the shared services, you've provided the water, the electrical and all, all those other things. Exactly. I think I think that's critical because that hub and spoke model allows you to centralize those things that need to be centralized, like security and CICD policies and various things that deal with data engineering approaches but you're not the only team that's doing the data engineering. You're following a template. You're following the methodology that's been established by a team that's tested these methodologies and continues to refine them based on what the spokes are bringing back.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. And the spokes, can, the spokes can say, Hey, we, we went out and thought that talent was a great tool, right? We really liked it. Um, and, and, and this is the patterns that we, that we brought in by using talent. The central team can say, Yeah, that's great. Let's bring right. it in. Let's let's put it in as part of the assets in terms of ingestion. Let's make it an approved tool in the toolkit. Other clients, parts of the business, all yours, right? And you know, standardizing those patterns, those usage patterns becomes helps a customer on this on their Snowflake journey to really accelerate at that point. Because it, And now, that's one of the things. Well, I go ahead. Sorry. No, I was saying now now you're not now you're not redoing the work, right? Now you're yeah. you're you're learning from other people's mistakes and you're learning from other people's other people's final sort of successes
0: as well. And that's one of the things that we've really come to appreciate on the, um, on the Snowflake end is that, you know, prior to that, you'd see this message of centralization, you can centralize, you can centralize, but you really couldn't. I mean, you couldn't even query some of these systems uh, prior to Snowflake. We can actually query, you know, an, 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 an incredible amount Of data in Snowflake, and because of that, it gives us the capacity to really open the pipeline to a whole bunch of different kinds of use cases. Because we don't, we don't, um, you know, we don't have, uh, you know, any any big limitations in front of us in terms of adopting a new department or what have you. The data, the data itself, is very, very scalable.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting to say that because one of the other value that we've talked a lot about is the ability to build out a data mesh. Right. Your ability yep. to create individual nodes for you know maybe there's regulatory reasons why your team in Europe can't send the data, can't, you know, load that data into a data lake in the US. So you've always had to keep it separate. And there's never been any communication between them. But now in Snowflake, you can create a data mesh where there's a node in, in the in the EU where that data is there. And and if you need to replicate certain pieces of it over to the US, you can do that very easily. And mm-hmm. and and you've you've made it. That you you can you can centralize without centralizing, right? Yeah, that's, right. That's the key.
2: I, I think the other big piece of maturity has to do with skills, and we've talked about it certainly t- together. I, I, I think the 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 challenge in the marketplace as as folks are going through the and exiting the Hadoop uh, promise and exiting um, uh, the promise of some of the other technologies that are currently uh, darlings of the industry there is a big challenge in the marketplace with skills and skilling uh, resources and being able to leverage the tools that are now becoming available. And so while there are things on the data science side, this data mesh and this data cloud capability, the skills required to operate this data cloud are critically important. And so many organizations realize that they're missing six or seven different skills. And when coming to Snowflake, Realize that Man. all I need is a single skill. I need to be able to know SQL, and so that's a big maturity uh, <laughs> optimization that we 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 point out as part of our strategy work because skills and cost of human capital is the biggest component that impacts our organizations, whether they're whether they uh, migrating or-, or whether they are adopting.
0: Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. totally. it's funny we we were doing a um a workshop. And at the time, Arcady was uh, showing, uh, you know, showing how how Snowflake processes data and whatnot. And um, one of the gentlemen there raised his hand and he said, "Well, I need to understand, you know, so is, is Snowflake storing this in their own proprietary format and?" you know, he, he was really into this concern about pr- uh, whether it was proprietary. And he says, so so like, you know, there's some kind of code back there that I can't see. Well, what's what's this coding language? And, and wh- how am I going to be able to access it? And he says, well, it is in SQL. So that's, you're going to have yeah. to really, really it, go a long way here. <laughs>
2: folks, folks were asking, you know, because you have this blob storage layer, whether it's Azure, GCP or AWS, you wanted to know, how do I get to these blobs? What do I do with these blobs? And the answer yes. was SQL. SQL <laughs> is the way you get to it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's hard to accept for people that have you know not not lived in that world. Yeah, so. yeah. folks I, are thinking
2: all... Athena and Presto and you know oh, yeah. libraries and Arrow and 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 pandas and all sorts of spark sparkly things. Um, all you need is SQL. And that's the incredible part in terms of yeah. accelerating the the adoption and, and reducing the learning curve.
0: Yeah, but Arcadia got a chuckle out of the entire audience, you know, yeah. because everybody I mean, could speak SQL.
1: Yeah, I mean, they teach SQL in college now.
0: Right? Yeah, you, exactly. could,
1: you could hire any college graduate and, and, or even college dropout, dropout who took a sequel class, and they would be able to pick it up and understand what's going on. So I, I totally agree, but we also provide you know the capability that if you, if you have developed these spark skills and you have developed these Python skills and you have these models, great use our Python connector, use our spark connector, right? These are, this, that's what exactly. they're there for. We're, we're here exactly. to be, we're here to be as, as mature to your point, as you are capable of being. And it's funny when, when, when my team and I were having the conversations about maturity, one of the big, sort of the big uh, areas that we had a big fight about was how do you, how does this compare to analytic maturity, you know, in terms of the traditional analytical Mm -hmm. maturity curve, you know, being able to be descriptive, predictive Mm -hmm. all the way up. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's, you know, and that's where a lot of that skill set comes into play. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for us, the point I made is look, you can get from new to modernizing and your organization is not may not ever get past descriptive analytics. Mm-hmm. You may you might just not have that skill set, but you can still get all the value all of what you need and we've also enabled you to if you want to to have a pretty easy to use platform for your organization to accelerate yourself up the analytical maturity curve. Yep. Because because you've you've your mindset has shifted and you understand oh these are assets. Right. right. This is data assets now. And so we need to hire data scientists, we need to do that. And so, you know, even if you get all the way to modernizing in our, in terms of a a customer journey, uh, on Snowflake, you, you don't necessarily have to get your, you don't have to then be prescriptive. It's not automatic, you know, you're not automatically going to be doing prescriptive analytics, but you're going to be enabled to do that. And that's such a huge value. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and especially once you get past the expanding phase and you get into what we call the standardizing phase. And yep. all of a sudden the question isn't the question across the organization isn't why are we using Snowflake for this use case? It's why aren't you using Snowflake for this use yeah, case? Yeah. Like why, why aren't why why aren't we talking about Snowflake in this case? And you know, that's such a that's so critical for us because then it turns from proving to optimizing. And, right. and we right. wanna we wanna optimize what you're doing. And and we want to optimize not only your your performance on Snowflake, but we also want to optimize your your usage of the data cloud and your organization, right? We want to mm-hmm. optimize how you're doing all those things. And
0: so, and at that yeah, point, you're you're publishing
1: and, and consuming assets, right? You're, right? you're doing all of that.
0: Yeah, and I and, and when we were talking about this, I ended up skipping that phase mostly because I could feel that that was that was more of the organization's own realization, and I was trying to get to like, all right, what are from total consultants' perspective, right? Like, what do we got to do technically to get this to happen? You know, um, and and obviously, in fact, especially this conversation on the COE stuff, I think there's some really interesting points there that I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna pick Arcady ear on afterwards. Yeah. But um, but I'm seeing, you know, if you can if you can do something as part of the COE to impact that mentality, you know, to really get people to start. Th- you know, to stop thinking about their previous world of data islands everywhere, um, and and really start thinking about um, you know we have we we have a a data platform, um, and it and it works. It's scalable. We can we can query the heck out of it. We know how to manage it. It's it's a, it's a standard that's not difficult to adopt. Um, so why aren't we using it? You know. Um, So I I can see the value of it, especially with the COE setup.
2: Especially as we talk about COE, I think one of the critical things to also touch on is the fact that many organizations are going through a process re-engineering journeys, uh, whether it's Six Sigma or adopting Lean. Those practices are being adopted at the executive layer. And the conversations around data cloud Are sometimes happening within the IT layer, and I think that's a big disconnect from a maturity perspective. Because the 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 fact that there is Snowflake as part of this conversation, the fact that you have a data cloud is part of your enterprise maturity. It's part of your enterprise, not just the architecture, not just the IT centric ITIL type type discussions, but it's part of your. It changes your ability to go to market it changes your ability to be agile. It changes your ability to be effective. It changes your cost structure. So Mm -hmm. these conversations and folks who are, you know, participating live or listening to the recording of this, most of them are in the IT and IT management role and are having a difficult time communicating to the executive team how this impacts organizational maturity. Mm -hmm. Because I think, all of our conversations, and I want to make sure that everybody understands this, have been around organizational maturity, not just how do you mature because you've got uh, one technology versus another.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and our ability to influence that is how we do our jobs best, and our ability to get at that executive layer and get them to understand what what does the data cloud mean for you as an enterprise, and you know the the the, the key component of this is there are some organizations who just are not going to share their data period mm-hmm. right, right. There, it, there there might be regulatory reasons it might just not be that interesting of data that they know, that just they're not going to get any return on it mm-hmm. but you know for for me we talked you know we, t- we talk about data as an asset and and the data cloud and you know i like to call it the data economy right we've built this mm-hmm. data economy within snowflake and it's a macro economy right it's a global yeah it's a global company to company, complete macro economy. You could, you could almost study it in a, in a macroeconomics class, mm-hmm. but an organization who is, is not going to be part of the macro economy for any number of reasons, they could absolutely still get a hell of a lot of value of the data economy, but it's their own micro economy, right? They, yeah. an organization may have built a data micro economy using a, uh, you know, a private data exchange or just a, a strong governance tool. And, in Something, you know, trading assets and trading services across lines of business is going to drive value for an enterprise. And so building out your own, you know, insert company name here, data cloud, right. You know, you've, you're, you're already realizing the vision and you've, and
0: you're already going through that transformation.
1: And, so, and so, James,
0: it, I have a a product uh, enhancement that that you've you <laughs> just th- you've thought of just now without <laughs> even expressing it in in Go in, for it. in such terms, and that is, take what you have on the the, the marketplace, yeah. and make a private version of it that that customers can own and manage and and curate and. You, know. you should
1: all you should all tune in to the snowflake uh, to the snowflake oh. summit. Okay. <laughs> registration registration is right here. All this right, is, all right, yeah, we'll, we'll be you there. Feel free to register, and, and you <laughs> might you might be surprised at what you hear. Uh,
2: I'm impressed you figured out what side of the screen it's on. <laughs> yeah,
1: that, that, don't get me wrong; awesome. I've been I've been pointing at this for. a couple of <laughs> Okay, well, okay, so I know exactly which arm where I'm supposed to be. But that's um, that's
0: actually the, the as far as the next stage I have on mine is just the enrichment stage being able to go, uh, of course in this case externally, um, mm-hmm. but in, at least in my description of the stage is b- being able to go externally and acquire these data sets, um, that other companies have provided. Um, I call it the enrichment stage, but it's, um, you know, we, we have one of our customers that, that has used the COVID-19 set as well. Mm-hmm. And one thing that's interesting about that, you, you, most people, when they think about some kind of a data sharing or or data exchange scenario, they think of it as like this long-term, you know, for 10 years, they're going to be exchanging data. Yeah. But what makes the exchange so compelling is that it doesn't have to be that you could have a very tactical need for a piece of data. That's, that's shared out on the marketplace and the duration to onboard that, um, is uh, I'll give, well, I'll, I'll tell you what, what, uh, she told me this, one of our customers, she said, the first time that we went go look at the COVID 19 set, um, I sent an email out to one of my colleagues and I said, Hey, I, I, um, you know, take a look at this, see what it would take f- to bring it in. Um, and, uh, you know, how, how much, how much work effort is involved here. And, um, and she was expecting to get an email like the following week on, on the progress. And she got a email back in 45 minutes saying, well, it's, it's the data sets here. Here's the connection. And she was like blown away. She's like, it really is that simple to, to, and she said the only reason it took 45 minutes, because it's the first time she'd ever done it. She said, yeah. had, <laughs> had she been doing it multiple times, we probably have connected. She says, I would have just connected to it myself. Yeah. You know, it's, it's yeah. not that difficult. So
2: and and we're working with a number of providers who have API endpoints and RESTful API endpoints. Yeah, yeah. And that data set is, is difficult to get to for doing analytics because you're sort of one one API lookup at a time and wrapping that and making that available through the Snowflake data share. And, and again, it could be a private share or it could be a public share, uh, but the the time to market is dramatically different. Yeah. And again... That's the. Those are the expectations that need to change in 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 the, and and as the maturity curve, and adoption curve changes as well.
1: Yeah, yeah it's interesting because it's because we're having we're having a lot of conversations with customers who who have built you know uh, customer facing apps um, yeah, that are that are revolve around data and they're thinking about moving moving those to Snowflake and, and you know, we're doing a big push um, with a lot of our customers in our powered by Snowflake program um, around building applications, but some, one of the first questions that we get is, hey, do you have APIs? And we're like, okay, you don't, I don't think you understand <laughs> what we're trying to do here. And so the, my first question back is, okay, what are you using these APIs for? Are you using them to connect your application back to Snowflake and do, great, let's talk about the APIs. Are you making them available to your customers to then get at data? Well, let's have a conversation about data sharing <laughs> data and sharing. What, and 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 reader accounts, right? And, you know, They yeah. might say, oh, well, our customers aren't necessarily Snowflake customers. And, the answer is okay. Okay, a reader account. Yeah. no, right. no problem. Right? you can make a reader account, and it's the same. They can and that you pay for the consumption. You can charge it back to the customer. You can do whatever you want. Um, and and you know, getting them to think about that is is really when you've when you hit that modernizing. Right
0: and now. how amazing it is to, to allow them to just issue SQL queries, not not some you know like ethereal <laughs> third party app ball. layer. Just just <laughs> yeah. a SQL query, bam. You know, that's that's but, huge. But
2: there are some. There's definitely some use cases where we've sure. got uh, mobile or real time API yep. uh, access that's required. Yeah. The question then becomes: How do you bake those data assets? How do you prepare those data assets? And so, Snowflake, in our case, in, in that reference architecture, does we do all of the heavy lifting, all of that munging, and all of that heavy lifting that normally would be taken out and then brought brought back in. And then we provide a easy, restful endpoint that is available in real time and scales elastically just like Snowflake does. But that layer is very thin versus building out this big infrastructure to manage all of this mm-hmm. data. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, m- more and more in the application space, microservice microservices is the is the way to go. You know, fit-for-purpose databases that run your transactional pieces of your database. You know, Snowflake is not your transactional. Data layer. We're right. not. going to At tell least, you yet that we are. At least, not yet. There's yeah. again. Have a good time at summit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, there's there's you know that microservices architecture lends very well to a Snowflake backend because you know to your point, Arcadia, Snowflake can be the the engine through which you dry, derive better insights and then make that available to all of your applications rather than having to build logic for one application and then try to replicate that logic from application to application on the data that they're bringing in, right? You create this central repository that then does all the munging and all the whatever, and then you send it back out as needed, or somebody can hit it directly if they mm-hmm. depending on your particular use case. But you know, that microservices model lends itself very well to Snowflake. But you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, you're, you you, you kind of hit that point. Jared, very well on the, you know, for me talking about modernizing is once you're actually, you know, you talking about enrichment, it's to me, it's they're one of the same thing. You've yeah. you've now set your, put yourself in a position to, to, to get better value out of your yeah. assets and to continue to drive better and better ROI against your data assets, whether that's bringing in new data to enrich, sharing data with your partners, getting, getting data sets you hadn't even thought about. Mm-hmm. And and you've now put all your data in this one network, in this one global network that, that can be, be you know, shared and replicated and, and, and across to anybody in your organization who needs data or data services, you, you know, you, you've now, you can, you can really begin a, a digital and transform and, and data transformation. Yeah, that's, 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 we we don't, we never use, we don't like to call a customer, okay, you're mature. Right. Great. It's the mature. No, 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 This is a, this is a never ending journey, Mm -hmm. but, but you've, you've fully realized the vision of the data cloud and you are taking advantage of it. And my, my job turns from, from uh, you know, selling you on the vision to helping you understand how new features and new products and new data sets that are available and new customers that have come on board can become better assets for you.
0: Right.
2: Talk about sort of this gracefully extensible architecture. And so we add add components as we we need to add. And, And when that discussion takes place, a lot of times the question is, when will I be done? And so one of the things that we've described, and it's less about whether how long intricity will be there, it's the journey that this organization needs to be on. And we've described it as a journey rather than a destination, because again, maturity is you will continuously improve your processes, you'll continuously improve your products, you'll continuously improve those things that make you unique. Data and your data journey is no different.
0: Yeah, and, and so in that so there's two more stages that I have on mine. I don't know how many you guys have on yours. I'm all, we're all done. We only, we only oh, stick really?
1: five. We keep it, we keep it nice and tight. <laughs> well,
0: one of, one of my last ones, uh, well, the last two was the association stage. So then the association stage is an important one for us because, um, once you've got all of this and you've got all of these users and the, and the larger this gets now, this often happens right out of the gate. It happens with the larger customers. The association stage happens right out of the gate. We, there's no way to avoid it, but it's this concept of I need to be able to associate all my users to this, unli- this incredible amount of content that now has been centralized in my organization. It's just, it's it's almost like now I need to actually govern these two parties mm-hmm. and, um, Uh, And so we, we spend a lot of time on that topic, particularly with some of these really, really large organizations that have employee bases in the hundreds of thousands of people Mm -hmm. Um, being able to map data to people uh, becomes super, super important. Um, And, and, you know, I I realize it's sort of late in the, the maturity um, discussion and it would seem that, that you would do that, you know, upfront, but you know, there's a lot of value to glean from snowflake as you're going along. And so it's not uncommon for organizations to get to a certain point and go, holy cow, we've got to organize, organize this massive centralization that we've, we've come across. And then the last one that I have is sharing and marketability, which is how do I, now that I've governed all this, I've got all of this stuff. Now I want to share it. I want to be a participant in the marketplace. When we talk about new products, we talk about it in the framework of how does sharing our data uh, increase the marketability of our tool or, uh, you know, and whatnot. So those are my last two. Um, But um,
1: yeah, those are are good. I mean, I think that those, those, I I can see on a professional services world why those are incredibly important because, you know, for us, we're we're providing a platform for you to do all these things. But yeah. some organizations they can get to modernizing and still not quite know how to do that, right? And it's, right. You know, we're all very smart people, but we're not necessarily going to be the organizational change managers that you need in order to do that. And I think I can totally understand, Fry. You know, from an intricacy perspective, you need those last two phases because it's that that's really where the organizational. Yeah adoption comes into play and, and why we rely so heavily on our partners to, to help us with that. Because, you know, we can't be successful if we if we can't, if there's not a good adoption going on across the board and, and an organization can't be successful if there's not adoption going on, going, you know, getting getting their organizations on board and and getting their partners on board, right? And getting mm-hmm. their customers on board. If, if they can't sell to their customers their data sets, then they will have gone through this whole process and then have all these really phenomenal assets that they can't do anything about. So they, I can totally understand how they would need help with that.
0: Yeah. So James, I want to thank you for joining us for data sharks. It was, uh, it was great, great having you on. And for all the, the viewers uh, like share and subscribe and uh, hit the, uh, the notification button, which I think is a little bell on, on, uh, on, on YouTube. And if you go to com slash data sharks, uh, they're, uh, there's a giveaway for some, um, uh, Apple AirPod Maxes there. So every six months we, uh, we, we do the raffle. So, uh, uh, be sure and subscribe there and, um, and you'll be able to uh, be in the running again, James, thank you so much. Or Katie also thank you, thank James. you very much. Thank you, yeah, Jared. Absolutely. Thanks. For all right. Having me. Very good. We'll catch you all later. Take Thanks care. So much. Thanks for catching Intricity 101. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And if you've got some stars to give, give us a solid five, and we'll catch you on the next podcast.